everyone. You're listening to The Katie Helper Show, and I'm your host, Katie Helper. If you like the show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. And as always, remind you that this show could not happen without the support of our listeners. To support the show, visit patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show, where for just $1 a month, you can help make the show happen. And for $5 a month, you'll qualify for great bonus content, including an alternative podcast feed and rarely seen clips that aired on our live shows. live welcome to the katie helper show's different night from what we usually do and i'm gonna pretend right here in real time i'm gonna pretend it has to do with the jewish holidays i don't know if they're still going honestly i needed to move it just for myself here in real time i'm gonna pretend it has to do with and that was god telling me i needed to believe in him uh Yeah, that was that was the voice of God. God tricks like that God all the time it really does. Yeah. Yeah, that was YouTube opening another window. So, what hold on. Let me pause. Welcome to the Katie Helper show. Pausing, taking a deep breath, grounding myself. So happy to be here with Leslie Lee and Jack Allison. Hi there. Hey. Hi there. How are you? Great to be here with you guys. Shana Tova to those out Shana. there celebrating. I, I I couldn't agree more. I Shana couldn't agree up. more. Rosh Hashanah. Uh, but, but Jack, I never saw you so like, you, Jack is, Jack, no, Jack, unlike Leslie, <laughs> Jack gets triggered. So do oh, I. We wow. get triggered. Yeah. No, Leslie is, I get... is almost always calm and collected. Not like, like if, if people are mad in the comments, mm-hmm. let's just say my poker face and Jack's poker face, not so good. <laughs> pretty good it's true that's right that's true yeah but but you seem very disturbed when that youtube thing happened and i'm just uh, trying to be such a tech I, guy I, i've just been having you know it's because i'm such yeah. a tech guy is right. why because i was just before he came on having horrible audio issues and and that you're absolutely right that that did trigger me in the very traditional sense it was like i was having a vietnam flashback you know right. to, the, to the moment just before the stream uh when when none of my gear was working and you know for a techie like me katie you know what are we if not our gear you know what i mean it, it's almost true. as though i myself am not you know functioning properly uh so you know i i i I appreciate you saying that, but yeah, that was a that was a harrowing moment for me when I when I thought my gear wasn't going to work. Yeah, and okay, now I feel good because I don't feel like I was making it up. No, so no, no. We all have, we all shared that together. Someone just wrote "Happy New Year." Hope you're good. Thank you. Hey, that, happy uh, New Year. Happy New Year, uh, guys. What is happy it, like, New 7, Year. Seven thousand or something. What is the what's the year it is? I don't know, but you know what? I it's got 50, it. It's fifty seven eighty two. On the Hebrew, but it calendar, feels like so. it's fifty-seven eighty-one. Am I right? It's the eighties. All it's the eighties. You know, we're in the eighties again. The fifty-seven eighties. Seven eighty-one. Am I right? It's the eighties. All it's the eighties. You know, we're in the eighties again. The fifty-seven eighties. Oh my God, guys! Wait, really quickly. So let me just wish everyone <laughs> look at this, guys. Happy birthday! Happy no. birthday, Bernie Saint Bernard! Happy birthday! Wow! Wow! Wow, that is a that's a great what a birthday. So close yet so far away. Um, and I don't care what you guys have to say about Bernie. He's a good guy. He may have made mistakes. He wasn't even a Democrat. I'll never forgive him for that. Or as Jack yeah. puts it, sadly he was actually a Democrat. Yeah, in the end it turned out he, he was, was a Democrat, Democrat sadly. Democrat. And still yeah. 
to this day, but we let's not get into it. Well, we yeah, to, yeah, we're not going to want to be the ill of the living. So <laughs> speaking of uh, menches, well, we have a great show for you guys today. We're going to be talking to none other than a doctor named Dr. Adam Gaffney. Very impressive resume, which we'll get to shortly. But let's just say he's an actual lung doctor. Okay, guys? Wow. Like, that's called pulmonologist. But that's pretty special. We are living through the times of covid COVID affects the lungs and we have a mm-hmm. pulmonologist. I just, I feel very fortunate to have someone like that on the show. I feel very not, blessed. Not having some fucking chiropractor on here, folks. Yeah, no, this, well, I, this of course This is not. real medicine. You can listen to this advice. Yeah, but not only that, I mean, of course we're talking real deal medicine, but even within the realm of real deal medicine, we're yeah. talking, I mean, I could have an orthopedist on, I could have mm-hmm. an endocrinologist on and they'd have very useful things to say. But when it comes to COVID, Yep. No one. You got basically you got your lung guys, pulmonologists, and you've got your epidemiologists. That's right. You all I've been hearing more about epidemiologists than I feel like I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah. I've never heard so much. This is this is the year for epidemiologists to become stars like never before, you know. Yeah. So guys, we should look at some numbers because there is some we have some cause to to celebrate. We got some great numbers coming in. Uh let's just go to the videotape. Wow. Pfizer and Moderna have pumped up the prices for their sought-after vaccines. Oh, wow. Their new supply agreement, the European Union. While wow. countries should be able to absorb the increase, it could be devastating for poorer nations, which are already struggling to procure enough doses. According to the Financial Times, under the new EU contract, Pfizer will raise the price of its COVID-19 vaccine by more than 25% to $23 a dose. Last week, the drug manufacturer increased its forecast sales forecast for the vaccines to $33 and a half billion dollars this year, with revenue expected to hit $55 billion in 2023. The EU has reportedly agreed to pay Moderna $25.50 per dose, which is up from about $22 in the first procurement deal. Yeah. So, guys, I told you the numbers were worth celebrating. Yeah. And they certainly are if you are big pharma. Oh, if you're uh, a shareholder in the Pfizer company. Shareholder in the Pfizer company, yeah. Celebrate, yeah. celebrate, pretty good, you right? Know, COVID cases are spiking, but so too uh, is the price of the vaccine, of our good old American-made vaccine. So, you know, there's, so they, you know, it's a double-edged sword, you know? You have it to is look double. at both sides. You really have to look at both yeah. sides. Both well, sides, yeah. A rising tides lift, lifts all boats. So. Yes, and, and the rising yeah. cases of COVID are are rising so many other boats. Yes. Yeah. Well, worry about the economy. Hey, there's going to be a lot of money <laughs> being pumped into these industries. Like, we just need to retrain people mm-hmm. uh, to work for high-tech uh, farmer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Like, learn to code, learn to work for high Learn to be a mRNA. mRNA, yeah. Learn exactly. the mRNA. Why, why don't you out there learning the mRNA sequence if you're out of a job? You know, yeah. let's 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 Seriously. do the mRNA. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get this party started. Well, oh. guys, as I said, we have a star. We have a doctor to the stars. By stars, I mean lungs. They're certainly mm-hmm. the stars of this time in which we're living. We're going to bring uh, in Dr. Adam Gaffney. Dr. Adam Gaffney is a physician, writer, public health researcher, public health advocate. He practices pulmonary and critical care medicine at the Cambridge Health Alliance as an assistant professor in medicine at Harvard Medicine School, where his research focuses on healthcare financing, reform, and equity care. He is the immediate 
past president of Physicians for a National Health Program, a nonprofit organization that advocates for Medicare for All health care reform. And you can follow him on Twitter at A.W. Gaffney. Hello, doctor. Hi, thanks for having me back. Of course. Thanks for coming. Yes. Happy to join you all. Of course. Adam, you are in the trenches. Tell us about what you're seeing. I guess first I want to ask you as someone who actually works um, on the ICU, how you experience it firsthand. Sure. Well, I mean, it's obviously a once in a lifetime pandemic. Um, it is strange um, when what you do for work suddenly goes into the headlines, right? Like typically the kinds of things I do in an ICU, things like ventilators and intubations and all this is, are, are not things that people talk about typically, you know, or rarely in very select moments. So it has been surreal since this started um, for the sorts of things that we do to be to be talked about on, on, on the national stage and, 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 you know, by the water cooler everywhere, uh, people are, are talking about these kinds of um, um, issues, sadly and tragically. Um, we've had two big surges in Massachusetts. So obviously during those moments, there's there, there, there's been um, an enormous amount of uh, work and um, it's, it's um, you know, something that none of us have seen before or anything like it. Um, right now, I think um, what's so sad um, is knowing that so many of the cases that we're still seeing in the ICU were totally preventable uh, yeah. in, in a way they weren't a year ago. And, um, and so that, for me, is the most uh, salient fact of, of ICU right now. And what are the numbers looking like? What is the trend? How are the numbers going? How are the cases going? And then I'm going to ask you about uh, who is actually unvaccinated. But Sure. Um, so, I mean, overall, um, things are, are, are going ter- terribly um, at, at, in the country at large. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there's very large numbers of deaths no, every day. Um, no one, I don't think, thought that this would be this bad even after the vaccine came out. That being said, it's very variable um, from state to state. Some states um, are doing okay. And other states, obviously, like, you know, Florida and Texas are seeing ghastly surges of, of cases, hospitalizations, and, and deaths. So it, it's regionally dependent, um, and we can talk about why that is. But overall, we are still seeing an enormous amount of death um, right now. And so um, the hope that we had had and all of us shared that with the rollout of the vaccine, that this would be behind us, has not panned out. And I think, um, you know, maybe we can talk about it too, does call for more measures in addition to vaccines. And so, you know, there's a lot of talk of the pandemic of the unvaccinated. There's a lot of uh, discussion of people who are not getting vaccinated as like anti-vaxxers. Uh, who are the, obviously you can't reveal too much detail because of HIPAA, but who are your, who are the unvaccinated who you are encountering and why are they unvaccinated? Yeah. Um, yeah. As you said, I can't, I can't speak to any patients, but and I will say I work at a safety net hospital that uh, health system that disproportionately cares for um, you know, immigrants and, and, um, uh, disadvantaged people. So, so it's not necessarily a, 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 you know, perfect, um, illustration of the unvaccinated in America, but the reality is, is that, um, that unvaccinated are not any one coherent group. I mean, you know, a lot of the people who are unvaccinated are not hardcore anti-vax ideology folks. Mm -hmm. Um, they are people who for a wide variety of reasons have not yet gotten vaccinated. Um, and some of them, um, at the time they get sick, you know, wish they had, um, and just hadn't gotten around to it. Um, right. So you see a wide variety of issues. You see a wide variety of barriers. Life is big. You know, a lot of people have very busy lives, have many responsibilities, um, and, um, you know, just haven't gotten around to it. 
The other cases, and I think an important thing to talk about is the ways in which the healthcare system, you know, falls short in, in actually rolling out the vaccine proactively and not waiting for people to come, to come for it. And, um, mm-hmm. so I think that there are things that we could point to in American, um, American healthcare system that, that probably contribute to the underperformance. Um, I mean, if you just look at the numbers right now, you know, everyone knew that we had this big U.S. rollout of the vaccine um, in the winter that, you know, we were sort of ahead of the pack. Um, And that's in large part because we got a lot of vaccines very early on. Another issue we should discuss. But since then, um, our relative advantage, you know, has has faded. I mean, if you look at the recent numbers, you know, um, 73 percent of people in France have had at least one vaccine. Uh, 72% in Italy, 71% in the United Kingdom, 68% in Sweden, 65% in Germany, and we're behind at 62%. Um, and our proportion of elderly who are unvaccinated is also higher than many nations. So this means that we have a very large number of people who are still susceptible to a deadly virus. And um, it's totally preventable. It's sad. But again, there's not one easy solution. And the unvaccinated people um, are coming at this for many, diff- with many, diff- many different reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and can you talk more about how um, access to healthcare uh, and you know the way the United States approaches healthcare, how that has had an impact on vaccination rates? Sure. Well, there's a few things. Now, when you talk about this, the first thing someone will push back against you is, "Well, wait a second. You know, we made this vaccine free. It is free, and that's true, as we should have. It is um, mm-hmm. um, absolutely should be, like all healthcare, in my opinion, and right. it's a separate issue. Um, but the reality is, is you can't." overnight, suddenly make up for all the deficiencies of a healthcare system. People are used to paying a lot for healthcare, getting mm-hmm. surprise bills, you know, getting, um, uh, you know, uh, having to pay deductible, so on and so forth. Um, and so, you know, there was reporting in the Times that, you know, some people, even though the vaccine is free, still are worried about costs. Uh, to go Sarah Cliff. Um, so that's, you know, one proportion. I'm not saying that's everyone, um, but that's some proportion who, who no doubt still have those fears. Um, and you see that reflected in the fact, at least partially reflected in the fact, that among the uninsured, um, vaccination rates are much lower um, than those who, who are. So something's going on there, right? Um, the other part, though, to think about is not just, okay, worry about costs, but having a dedicated healthcare provider, doctor, nurse practitioner, um, primary care physician who knows you, who knows you for a long time, who you trust. Um, who is there to give you advice, who's there to give you counsel on important medical issues. And the fact is, is that if you're uninsured, you don't have that, almost certainly, because you're kept out of the healthcare system. Um, or, but, but many people with insurance also don't have primary care doctors. One mm-hmm. study found that 25% of Americans don't have sort of primary care. Um, and so that's another way in which our system fails. Uh, because, again, there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of information. And digesting it all can be very difficult. And we can all you know, do our best to go on the internet and read. But there's no substitute for someone whose job it is to help you, um, you know, make decisions about medical issues. And that's a key, you know, role for primary care doctors. And we don't have a primary care-based system. We have a fragmented system that, again, leaves, you know, 30 million people uninsured and leaves 25% of people without a primary care doctor. So those are just some very straightforward, unambiguous ways in which I think our healthcare system uh, could have done better with the vaccine uh, rollout had we... um, you know, had, had, had things been designed differently. The last thing I'll just throw in there real quick, we underfund public health agencies enormously in this country. That's different than healthcare, right? That's like the state public health agency, the city public health agency, or the CDC at the federal level. And these, you know, the, 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 the you know, 
neoliberal push towards austerity has undermined and underfunded these agencies. So we relied far too much on the private sector and not enough on the public sector to, to, to do the kind of campaign that needed to be done. Yeah. Wow. That's like, thank you for that. It's really fascinating and um, important information and a really good synthesis of so many issues. And I saw you retweeting a study about decarceration um, or, or I guess I should say the uh, incarceration and COVID, could you, I know, and you have your own study that you just did, which we can get to, but can you just summarize the study that you tweeted out? Yeah, there's been a couple um, studies by this group. The, the long and short of it is this. We need to do more than just vaccines to protect um, people from COVID. And um, we need to focus on areas where there's tons of transmission. And so this group has found that um, jails are places, which we know where a lot of COVID spread happens, but not only that, they the cycling of people in and out of jails is actually causing outbreaks and it's actually increasing um the number of people with covid and so you know this this group one of their studies was in um chicago in illinois and they found like a big chunk of total covid cases in chicago in illinois were the result of people cycling in and out of jail and that are, um and, mm. and so um we that's an example of a public health intervention that we need to to undertake get people out of jail uh get people out of prison um that's the way you you, you solve that problem um, similarly, you know, the evictions issue, uh, there's evidence that, you know, um, uh, people from evictions is, can drive COVID cases, um, you know, and just um, unemployment insurance, right? I mean, people forcing people back to um, jobs that may not be safe is not a good way to to fight a, 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 a pandemic that sometimes spreads occupationally. Some people are like, wait, but Medicare for all, uh, we apply that, as you said, Adam, but we give everyone the vaccine. So this this should be working swimmingly. And as you said, there's an issue of trust. There's an issue of access. People are afraid of hidden costs when they're when they're kind of like trained to to have a relationship that's not that trustworthy. Uh, they're going to be more suspicious. Like if you have I mean, I've had in, in the past, like I just my doctor, I mean, just moved out of state and I had to wait a really long time on the phone. I happened to tweet about it because I was so upset about it. I don't think it was Karenish because I think uh, it's OK because I'm like not uh it's a it's a hospital it's not like a person it's mount sinai it's, the, it's, it's not karenish to post about the inhumane healthcare system in right. the united states you know but i like was on the phone i mean this just hit me it's like if i had a nine to five i wouldn't be able to make those calls during work uh i'd have to right. take a break to do it but i was on the phone forever my point is that like there are a lot of barriers that yeah. are put between patients and their providers and i can imagine how, um, you know, even if you have a doctor who you like, like the system, you may just not trust right. the system, right? Like people have sympathetic doctors who try to help them and they just can't because of insurance, as you know, obviously, more than anyone. Oh. And obviously there's groups that have, have you know, well-grounded uh, yes. in the healthcare system um, as a result of, of experiencing racism, um, right. exclusion, um, and 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 worse in history. Experimentation. Right? So, um, so there's that aspect too. So you can't suddenly turn history back on a dime. Um, I think. Yeah. Right. I mean, we saw that also like with the HIV stuff in South Africa too. Um, but, um, right. You can't turn back history on a dime. Yeah. You know, you talked about people being afraid of receiving bills for the COVID vaccine, you know, uh, uh because that's kind of the, the modus operandi of the American healthcare system is for you to show up at the office and then receive a bill. 
there's good reason for people for people to be afraid of that because there are even though this is supposed to be a federally free shot there are reports of people who did receive bills for things like the office visit while they were getting their covid vaccine shot so you know this is these are not just like conspiratorial fears you know receiving a bill after a covid shot is something that not everyone but a lot but but many people did end up actually having happen to them you certainly saw that as well you know you know what covid was Starting, there was um, rightly a, an understanding that you know, think, think if it was business as usual in American healthcare, people wouldn't come in for testing. If they didn't come in for testing, you might others wouldn't come into the hospital potentially, and and um, you know maybe even die at home. And certainly with the vaccine, and there have been policy steps along the way to try to address that. But what we've seen, um, particularly with testing and 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 with hospitals, that those provisions were not were imperfect. And you know, there's been reporting of people actually getting um, testing bills in this manner. Um, and and that just speaks to a fragmented system. And again, the fact that um, um, it's very hard to without actually having Medicare for all, without having national health insurance, it's hard to sort of piecemeal, you know, make a sort of Medicare for all for one disease state. Right. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, I, that would have been good if it really had happened. It happened partially, I suppose, but it's still not enough. And right. the reality is, is that this, co- this pandemic is going to end and people have other conditions and there may be pandemic in the future. And there's just regular old pneumonia and heart disease and lung disease and everything else and diabetes. And, and um, there's no reason why th- any of those conditions should impose charges mm-hmm. uh, on patients either. Right. And I want to talk about a couple of issues in terms of th- uh, the unvaccinated Let's see. There's a Jimmy Kimmel clip that I, I think you will find particularly interesting, Jack, given your employment history. Three hundred percent. Okay. From a year ago, Dr. Fauci said that if hospitals get any more overcrowded, they're going to have to make some very tough choices about who gets an ICU bed. I know that choice doesn't seem so tough to me. Vaccinated person having a heart attack? Yes, come right on in. We'll take care of you. Unvaccinated guy who gobbled horse goo? Rest in peace, Wheezy. You're Right. So that's Jimmy Kimmel saying uh, that, you know, the hospital uh, numbers are going up and his um, his plan is to uh, admit people uh, if they were vaccinated and I guess not admit them if they they. We don't know if they're not vaccinated, but if well, they Kay, took- Kay, Kay, let me correct you. That w- is Dr. Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, him is proper title. I- there are the two types of people, of course. There's the right. perfectly vaccinated MSNBC watching liberal, and right. then there's the redneck conservative cons- uh, uh, Confederate flag waving Trumpster right. believes in conspiracy theories and squeezes horse paste up his ass. Those right. are literally the two types of people that live in America. You know, the thing is, what's funny is that you play this. Kimmel clip and obviously he's like making a joke of it and you know saying this like fucked up thing but if you've watched like a lot of CNN or MSNBC in the last couple months they're making that without even the pretense of humor you watch the Chris Cuomo show and there is like a lust for death of the unvaccinated and I swear to God I'm like what you're not noticing when you're saying that is you're basically saying like I don't think 60% of black people should be admitted into hospitals which, like, I don't think that's necessarily yeah. what you want to be yeah, saying. Right. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it reminds me of the way that there's a real contempt for people who live in certain states. And again, it's like those often those states that you don't like the way they vote. They are, yeah. have a lot of black people in them. And they're not like, first of all, you sh- I don't agree with like wishing the worst for people who vote for someone bad. 
But like you're also as as Reverend Barber calls them, they're they're not Republican states. They're unorganized voter suppressed states, which is, I think, an interesting thing to remember. But like, you know, like when you have like Charlotte Clymer, like, you know, painting her nails emoji because something terrible happens in Georgia. Georgia, yeah. What do you not understand what you're saying? So, you're yes, I think that like it's it's offensive. It's out of touch. And I'm going to charge you, Adam, in a second, but I just want to ask you, uh, you know, Adam, you've been a resident, of course, but here the resident expert on this is Jack, because Jack worked for Jimmy Kimmel. What insights can you share with us about the way this man thinks? Uh, you know, I, I, I do think that he fashions and considers himself an erudite sort of liberal. I think he thinks of himself as smart, you know, because. He's probably, you know, has his ego, you know, peaked by a lot of like other famous and kind of rich people because he has access and he has money. You know what I mean? I'm like, this is somebody who, you know, when I worked there was like, I'm going to dinner with Joe Biden with my wife. I'm like, he just interacts differently with like the way the world is like Joe Biden's not taking any of us to dinner. You know what I mean? So I I think that in, in my opinion, and I did work for him. Uh, I think he's just not that bright a guy who is a deep believer in the meritocracy um, and is surrounded by no, nothing but people who sort of reaffirm that belief. Yeah. I mean, and and also I, I think that, yeah, he was making it jokey, but I actually think he was basically saying what he thinks. I, I mean, I, I don't know if he wants to formally Im- Im- implement the system, but I, I kind of get the sense that he you know, believes it on some level. And um, what what's your response to that, Adam, as someone who obviously does believe in, in the vaccine and encourages people to get it? Um, yeah, I mean, I have no insight into what, what Jimmy Kimmel actually thinks, but, but the truth is, is that other people have said this, I think, as Jack said, without a pretense of, of humor. I think it was, a, it was an op-ed in the Washington Post recently making this case. So it's not, it, it, it's by no means a sort of, um, you know, purely fringe sort right. of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I am, Truly, as pro-vaccine as as one can be, and I want everyone to be vaccinated so that we stop seeing hundreds of people dying every day for nothing. Um, but the fact is, is this is completely immoral, completely unethical to talk about denying healthcare to people because they made a bad decision. Mm-hmm. Now, from my perspective, we're all sinners when it comes to health. Our health, we all make good choices. We all make bad choices. The job of doctors and the job of nurses is not to dole out medical care, you know, based on your sort of their perceptions of your worthiness um, from a health perspective. I, I completely disagree with that from an ethical perspective. It also, I mean, this system doesn't even make any sense. It wouldn't, it wouldn't like play out the way they even understand it. I, mean, yeah. I don't even understand. The patient at the end of the day is going to be in the emergency room and being cared for by, by your colleagues. Um, right. well, you know, this doesn't make any sense. So um, anyway, but I'm, regardless of that, even if it could be, even if there was a way to do the logistics or whatever, right. um, I'm completely opposed to it. I mean, look, the fact of the matter is, is that um, people who are unvaccinated are disproportionately lower income and lower educated. Um, so you would be, in fact, consigning, you, you would be adding further injury to, to mm-hmm. disadvantaged people. Um, and, 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 and in any event, um, there's just simply no ethical justification for it. We don't do that in medicine. That's not our jobs, nor should it be. And people who keep making the case for it really don't know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't actually think it is like, I'm not suggesting this, but like, what well, I guess what would they do? They would be like, have you taken the vaccine? I mean, obviously people would then start to lie. Let's just say, right? Obviously you'd sure. be like, yeah. But I guess, the, I don't know if that's the idea. Um, I mean, I've heard people say this about smokers getting, and in fact, uh, you, uh, Adam, you mentioned the, the argument in the Washington Post 
op-ed, right? I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, it mentioned smokers getting um, lung transplants. Which, yeah. It, yeah. The transplant issue has been raised again and again as a sort of precedent for this. Um, it's, it's not a good precedent. First of all, there's debate about whether the ways we sometimes allocate organs is, is totally correct. Um, and so, so it's not as though that's, that's completely uh, settled. Um, but even furthermore, you know, the arguments that, 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 that it is true that certain things can exclude you from consideration from, for active transplantation, um, you know, and, but the arguments that are used to justify that are not, you don't deserve it. Uh, it's a, it, that, you know, transplants consider to do more harm than good if people can't engage in certain things. Um, you know, with lung transplants, for instance, if you were not to take any of your medications, you could actually shorten someone's life uh, after mm-hmm. a transplant. So you do have to select um, and, and, be, and be careful um, about, about what you're doing. Um, so it's not a good precedent. And again, there's arguments that maybe some of the ways that, you know, that, that it's not settled um, all, all the things that are done in, in transplants either. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I was on, I mean, this, this is also sort of closely similar to the argument being made that we should increase healthcare premiums for unvaccinated people. And I was on with uh, many Hassan and on um, Chris Hayes' show talking about this and debating this. Um, and I'm against that too. Um, look, um, we actually tried this already with smokers. Uh, when the Affordable Care Act rolled out, there was actually a provision that allowed um, insurance companies to charge a premium to peep smokers for their healthcare insurance. And it, it was, that was studied. And what they found was that all it did was it actually pushed smokers out of getting health insurance. Um, and it actually didn't reduce smoking cessation. It didn't encourage smoking cessation, right? So what's the end effect of that? Well, then the smokers aren't actually getting seen by a doctor. And, you know, they're not quitting anyway. So what's the point of that? Um, you know, I think that is different from, from, from mandates in certain places. Like I think yeah. that um, that's justifiable to require vaccination. Um, but I don't, I don't, um, agree with the sort of punitive approach that mm-hmm. right so one is yeah i agree i'm i'm a i'm a mandate gal not gonna lie uh you know i i i, I feel like that's why this country just literally can't handle covid19 is because we're you know we're we we're, we're the individualist nation we're the customer is always right nation where you get to express you know who you are as a person based on the consumer choices you make and stuff and I just when it when it comes to a public health event where people need to do things for the common good, it almost seems like the the core American ethos is like set against succeeding at that, you know? Yeah. I mean, I I think that like uh there's a difference between as you said like being punitive and vindictive and also like suggesting that people do things. There there are a couple of things. There's like the mask mandate, right? Then there's the vaccine mandate, and I feel like we should talk about the elephant in the room or the horse in the room, if you will. Let's just go there. Let's just do it. Let's talk oh, about it. Lord. This whole thing. I mean, I I'm gonna I'm gonna call it I'm gonna call it a D gusanoer. For people who don't know gusano means worm in Spanish. It's also uh, a used for people who leave Cuba for um political reasons as opposed to economic refugees. But uh, um these degusanos, what uh what is the deal? We have a lot of people and, and I bring this up also and I'm really glad that you're here Adam because it's not inconceivable that like big like people have the right to be and they have good uh, reason to be suspicious of pharmaceuticals mm. and the pharmaceutical industry. And a lot of people will bring up like, well, uh, if I bring up the vaccine, they're like, what about them being able to be uh, sued? Uh, should we be fighting for that? Because they have all these protections. Um, and so let's talk about the vaccine and uh, what do you have to say to people who are like, well, the vaccine is not good for you. It's uh, there's, you know, it's a way to get people 
I don't know. What what are the theories? Well, there's one that the vaccine isn't good. Then another theory is that the the decusanoer um, is good and it's just getting a raw deal. Um, can you just explore some of those and, and respond to them? Absolutely. So, um, so I don't know. Let's start with the vaccine. I mean, so let's start with the, far, the issue you raised, which is like skepticism at the pharmaceutical industry. Um, I, I'm skeptical of the pharmaceutical industry. I mean, I, I, I want to see, um, you know, massive transformation, um, you know, and actually public, uh, publicly funded um, uh, healthcare, uh, pharmaceutical research to keep drugs in the public domain. Um, but the fact of the matter is, that's not quite how it works right now. Um, and the pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical drugs, medications are very valuable and important to us. And the fact that they're made by profit-maximizing firms um, doesn't mean that, 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 that they are not valuable products, right? Um, think about all the things that we've commoditized in the United States. Think about all the things that, you know, are commoditized under our version of capitalism. Um, obviously, there's a useful things because otherwise you wouldn't be talking about redistributing them, right? right. The only thing that was commoditized was, you know, goop stuff. Right. Which is, <laughs> it doesn't matter as much. Right. And the whole point of moving towards national health insurance, uh, the whole point is because these are privatized services. These are things that are treated as uh, commodities um, that actually should be made public and treated as social goods. Right. And so that's why we want to do that. If we didn't want to do that, if they weren't valuable, we wouldn't want to do that. So just a sort of general sort of, right. yeah. we need to right. think about this maybe slight uncomfort, lack of comfort that some people have about, well, I'm sort of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of furious at, at sort of the greed and, and right. everything else that little companies do, but I, you know, okay. so there's that. Okay. Second question is the efficacy of the vaccines. Look, the vaccines have been rolled out in an enormous number of people. Uh, safety profile is extremely good. Serious um, adverse reactions are extraordinarily rare. Extraordinarily rare. And COVID is not extraordinarily rare. It's extremely common. Um, and the fact is, despite all the discussion about breakthrough infections, yada, 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 um, the efficacy of the vaccines against hospitalization, death, ICU stays, having to deal with people like me, uh, the vaccine after Now you're disincentivizing your ad, and no one's going to get it. No. Right. Um, no, and it has been maintained at, at well at, at over ninety percent. So by simply getting the vaccine, you are basically giving yourself um, uh, a potential get out of death free card. Okay. So we need to really push that back, um, and that's that's been um, sort of um, you know there's been a lot of misinformation about that. Now to talk about ivermectin for a moment. Um, so the fact is, look, I want more medications that work against COVID. We don't have enough. We have some. There have been some that have been shown to be useful. Um, steroids and a couple of the medications we don't need to get into for critically ill patients. Obviously, the kinds of things we do in the ICU can help some patients get through a, a life-threatening bout of, of COVID. Um, but we want more medication. I, I would love it if this medication worked, right? I would be the first to use it if, if it worked. But the evidence base for it is very shoddy. Now, there were trials that were positive. Uh, and this led to some thought, well, maybe there's something here. Um, would people have actually looked into some of the trials and really gave um, a lot of the you know, parent support? Like one of the big ones um, is very shady, very shoddy, uh, and was actually ultimately retracted, okay? And they had to do something called a meta-analysis, which is when you combine a lot of trials into one to sort of shed more light on the problem. Um, and they actually, once you took that trial, the meta-analysis, which people had used to sort of say this was an effective treatment, actually no longer show what, what they thought it showed. So that's um, that's what's going on. Meanwhile, there are some very pernicious actors, and I don't know what their motivation is, 
but that are out there and that are pushing this drug as a vaccine substitute. Um, FLCCC, which is a coalition of, I guess, critical care doctors, um, have been, you know, putting this out there. One of them testified in front of the Senate uh, at the request of a Republican senator, um, and they are making this sound like a vaccine substitute. Um, If you go to their website, they actually, for their prevention for COVID protocol, it has all these funny things like gar- like mouthwash and ivermectin and this and that. doesn't even mention vaccines. So there's yeah. something shady happening there. And I am furious about this because people are believing this and they are taking this as a substitute for the vaccine and some of them are dying. And you just mm-hmm. need to go onto Google News and read about those cases. And what a tragedy. What a complete mm-hmm. unnecessary loss of life. Okay. Um, and it, it, it makes me so upset. Yeah. You say, though, that there are no experts, you know, that, that uh, you know, that think ivermectin is good. But th- I'm going to push back on that a little because I have heard a number of YouTube hosts that uh, say it's good. So there are a number of YouTubers that that whose channels I watch who say it's good. And so, you know, they don't lie to me about anything else, especially, you know, that I donate to and stuff. So, you know, I feel like, you know, maybe I'll maybe I'll squeeze some horse paste up my ass. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think like the reality is, is that I, I don't you know, I have no you know, I think shame. I, I, I think shaming or ridicule of people who may, who may, as I said earlier, who make who make decisions is totally not my 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 game. I I you know we probably all engage in things that make no sense, right? I health wise, we all take things that I get, that we heard about. I'd help this that whatever. It's just it's it's, it's universal to, the, to to human nature. What I do take issue with um is the sort of purveyors and the prominent people who are making this into their brand um and are way out of their depth. Um, in terms of the evidence, I don't know what they truly believe in the heart of heart. I don't care that much because um, I think that whether or not in the final analysis, ivermectin shows some modest benefit, which it can, it could, that's not going to make it a substitute for vaccines at all, not even in the slightest. Um, and the fact is, is that a big trial done by a respected group out of McMaster University was preliminary results reported, and that's showing no be- no no effect whatsoever. So not looking good. For this medication again, I hope it works, but it, it's it's unlikely it does, and we don't, and and certainly it's it's looking worse as each day goes 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 onward. And again, there's this epidemiologist out of Australia, um, Gideon um, um, Meyerowitz Kurtz, and I may have mangled his name actually, so I apologize to him. But he's done a deep dive study. <laughs> uh, Gideon MK he goes by I think on Twitter. Uh, he's done a deep dive into the, into the ivermectin literature and found that it's right with with shoddy, shady kind of figures and facts. So, so there you have it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people are like, ivermectin, well, they're like, it's been used in humans for 30 years. I mean, that doesn't mean it's an effective vaccine. Yeah. No one's yeah. saying yeah. it's going to like, kill you. Like, oh, it won the Nobel Prize. It's like, no. it's like that's great. So like, penicillin's wonderful too. Like, I, no. like I, you know, right. a lot of things are wonderful. Water, water is great, right? Like you can't live without water, but it's not a substitute for a vaccine. I could talk about how good water is and it's not going to fill in. Right. What's what's so strange to me about this is it it feels like the same people who are very big into ivermectin are the sim, same people who were first denying that COVID was real, that it was deadly, that it was and like every, at every step of the way it was like COVID isn't as serious. We don't need to do anything. Yeah. And now there's like this dangerous medicine to take to prevent COVID that at yeah. the beginning of this. They didn't think was real. And again, just the jumping over the vaccine. I don't want to take the vaccine. I want to take this other. It's just so strange. Horse-based. 
Well, this is okay. Yeah, Bill McBurney is a specific political purpose, right? So yeah. hydroxychloroquine was the same thing, right? That was what Trump and Republicans were sort of pushing. And, and why? Is there any particular reason why they particularly like that? Uh, no, it's because it was a reason to say, wow, we don't really need to take this that seriously. Yeah, uh, we got this mutual algebra yeah. that you can get for nickel. So, like, let's just not do anything. Um, and and then so, again, even with whatever the final analysis shows, it's played a similar role. It's basically played an identity um, politics, culture war, wedge issue role that has been very effective, apparently, uh, which is sad. Yeah, I trans for trans trans species people for people who horse identify. It's you know it's identity politics for the for the horse horse for the horse sign the, the horse sign the equine the set yeah the equine set. set yeah. Well, I mean, okay, I just want to give you the chance to to uh, respond to this. IVM is known to be safer than aspirin. There is zero reason not to give it. Only criminality. Wake up to what's going on here. Look, uh, I think it speaks to, um, I think, again, it speaks to some of the issues we've talked about with, um, you know, uh, skepticism of pharmaceutical companies, um, you know, uh, skepticism of the medical establishment, and and some of that skepticism is warranted, um, you know. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that the evidence doesn't um, show clear evidence at all of benefit. As we learn more, it's looking shadier, some of the studies that have been positive. The new study I mentioned that was very respected group uh, is negative. Um, and anyway, regardless of what you think about it, it's not a sub- substitute for vaccination. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I think, the most important uh, point that I'd remind right. people to, to take on. And, and the main thing I'll say, because there are a lot of people who are kind of pushing back on this. I can understand why they're pushing back on Adam, because you're a doctor, you're a voice of authority. Like, what do you care if Jack, Katie, or I think about ivermectin if you actually think it's a medicine that you should take what do you care if anyone else is saying it why are you on the youtube stream arguing about this like i don't go around like pushing like certain medications in like various youtube channels like even if i take it like i take a medicine i don't go around advocating for it so it's very strange that like you said uh it is serving a political purpose it's not about like medical care like if you're on twitter yelling at people like you're not, you're not talking about like medicine. You're just like participating in some sort of culture. I'm sorry if you believe in taking this, you should be talking to your mother, your uncle, your sister about taking. Uh-huh. Not random. I, you should not be doing that. Right. But if but, you but were, consistent, you're saying like if you really if the, if the goal is right. converting people. If you right. wanted, like, if it was about health, like you would be talking maybe to your doctor about it. I would suggest, uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, not uh, Twitter and YouTuber, which is where this and where all of this is like coming from. Like, it's very strange. Like how many medical conversations do you have with Joe Rogan? <laughs> you know, uh, you know, it's somebody talking about ivermectin is a good w- w- way for me to know they watch too much YouTube. Uh, that's just a, a like well, flying the YouTube flag is like, I'm watching a lot of YouTube channels. Uh, uh, if you're an ivermectin fan, I don't w- want to feed the trolls, but I got to hold on one second. Let me, Someone, why are we, here's a good question. Why are we taking uh, a vaccine that inbred Rothschilds are funding? Someone had to ask that. I really, you know, that's food for thought. Think about the inbred Rothschilds. Really, you got to always go, you got to follow the money to the inbred Rothschilds. And then we're going to, we have a question. Um, Dr. Gaffney, there's a radio host with initials named AJ, who says people will die in two years from COVID vaccine. He isn't saying allegedly. 
He's saying they will. How is Whoa. it legal to You're do on the radio air? Host oh, that's that? oh, how is it legal to do on the air? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I, I don't know. That yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. Obviously, um, I'm not a listed artist. <laughs> AJ. There are, uh, there are looser rules with broadcasts. Yeah. Okay. Wait yeah. a second. No, I mean, your first, right. but your first name does start with an A. Hmm. <laughs> and you have a microphone. Could be. Ah, shit. And I think I'm losing my connection. I'm sorry. There's a, I'm having a delay. Oh, we got a, a question in the super chat. I can read it for you, Case. Nice. Super chat. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, traditional vaccines block infection permanently using the whole virus, such as polio vaccine versus mRNA drugs designed to boost, boost the immune system and teach it to look for infected cells, thus requiring boosters. Yeah. So there's, there's a, a number of different types of vaccines and they work in different ways. Um, the, you know, it would be wonderful if we had a vaccine um, that, you know, had 100% efficacy against acquiring this infection. Obviously, that would be preferable to one that that was very good, but not perfect. Um, but that's just not how biology works, right? Like, think about flu, right? We get flu multiple times over the course of our life, again and again. Um, and um, having had it or having the vaccine doesn't mean you don't get it. Um, you still can get it. But because of that exposure over time, it usually is not a severe disease, right? But in 1918, when the, the, the great flu hit, no one had seen that flu before. And it killed you know, countless people across the globe, right? So th this vaccine makes you more acclimated and more able to respond rapidly to this virus, thus not always preventing breakthrough infections, which most of the time, um, but it does prevent you from going to the ICU or dying. And that is the most important thing. Um, if you get a breakthrough infection and it's an upper respiratory infection and you feel like crap for three days, that's bad, but that's not the most important thing. So I think there's been a lot of misunderstanding about this breakthrough infection business. Well, why should I take this vaccine if, if there's a chance I'll get COVID anyway? But you know what? If you do get it, you're almost certainly not going to get sick and wind up in the hospital. And that's all we care. That's what we care about most of the day. Yeah. Someone warned not to uh, say that's the best solution. Ivermectin is the best solution. The way they're restricting and slandering it is literally insane. Don't be on the wrong side of history, the side that kill. Okay, so just remember that. Um, also, uh, wait, hold on one second. There's a num. People are saying that they're that thirteen thousand people have died from the vaccine, as per government database. I don't know what that's reference to. Um, did I already read this? I'm from Norway and fully vaccinated. This was a great comment from Martin Rad. I'm from Norway and fully vaccinated. We've Got to be honest, vaccinations work if the whole world gets access to it. The best solution would have been the Chinese-style lockdown, but capitalism won. Again, mm. someone asked me, let me ask you this, Katie. Do you know the ingredients of the vaccine? Why not? And then this is an interesting question that Nick highlighted. Uh, whip up your you own. You know, if you know the ingredients, you can whip up <laughs> one at home. Make sure, make sure it's all clean and good. <laughs> How can you suggest people should be forced to take a vaccine that does not stop you getting it or transmitting it? That's some seriously insane thinking. I mean, I have a response to that, but I'll I'll throw that to you, uh, Adam. I, I might just sound like a broken record. I mean, again, the point is to stop people from dying. Six hundred fifty thousand yeah. people are dead. Uh, we don't need to do this anymore. Um, the the point is not to prevent colds and flus. It's to prevent pneumonia and death. That's right. the point. That's why right. we're ending it. That's why it matters. Yeah, I mean, seatbelts don't prevent you from killing other people, but I still believe in seatbelt mandates. I mean, maybe that's controversial because it's considered paternalistic, but I'm paternalistic. Um, yeah. Oh my God, someone did this. I, I, I got to just highlight this. Can we kill this once and, and forever? My body 
<laughs> equals my choice. By the way, my friend, I was telling my friend how much I, I hate this analogy uh, because I don't think having an injection, uh, which gives you something that prevents you ho- from dying in a hospital, is like being forced to carry as I go to human term. It should be my right to catch polio if I want to. I should right, be allowed right. to get fucking polio if I feel like it. Yeah. Y- yeah. But my friend was telling me that they took um, their son to a like a pro-choice rally. Um, and it was like my body, my choice. And then they took the kid home and he was like two and a half or three and they wanted to give him a bath. And he was like, my body, my choice. <laughs> so like that may be a better analogy than this. But yeah, you as someone who's a doctor, what do you what? And I, I think you're pro-choice. What 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 say ye? I mean, it's yeah, it's a ludicrous analogy and it's and it's particularly offensive at a time when, you know, reproductive health care rights are being totally trampled on when Texas has effectively outlawed op- almost virtually all abortions are the vast majority. Um, and, um, that's, that's a vast, you know, a horrible restriction on, on freedom and on, and on healthcare access. Um, on the other hand, having mandates in workplaces and, and air, airplanes, um, for a disease that not only is dangerous to oneself, but can be transmitted and others, um, is completely within the confines of the sorts of public health rules and regulations that democratic societies have employed for a long time. Uh, the, you know, it's 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 an offensive analogy. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Jack, apparently you're a neo-lib. Just wanted to make sure you knew that. I don't uh, know that it makes you a neo-lib, um, you know, to to think that the horse pace doesn't work. But I guess if you watch a, watch a certain guy's YouTube channel, uh, you think that that's a leftist take. You think it's like core to leftism to believe in the uh, the ivermectin drug. Uh, if you're the fan of one certain comedian. Well, uh I someone also was like it's it's wild to see a Jewish woman talk about um where is this something was like it's wild to see a Jewish woman defend uh exp- where is this Does anyone see this uh something about oh it's kind of wild that a Jewish woman is okay with government forcing medical treatment on citizens I mean if only the Nazis had forced medical treatment on its citizens like this is something I think we need to review a little bit. There's a difference between like mandates for all and selective uh, sterilization. Like experimentation. I don't really, experimentation. Like well, I guess like Dr. Mangala was like, "You better, you want to go on this flight, then you better fucking come on down to my office, buddy Hans, or whatever." That's kind of the whole point. Like I'd be nervous if this were targeted. That's the kind of the point is that it's not targeted, and if it were bad for people, then the most vulnerable would be being experimented on. And uh, inst- and a way that we know it works probably is the fact that there is a uh, vaccine apartheid, because if this were so uh, crappy, then why would the United States be hoarding it? Or are we supposed to assume that, like, all the rules don't apply anymore? Yeah, that's another, I mean, I think an issue we didn't get to. But, um, yeah, and what's happening in terms of the distribution of the vaccine internationally is horrible. Uh, I think the latest statistic I saw was that of the African continent. Uh, I think 5% of people have been vaccinated. Um, you know, this vaccine should have been rolled out on a global basis, day one, equitably, you know, um, a- a- across the globe. And instead, sort of rich, the, the, the politicians of rich countries um, and the heads of pharmaceutical firms have basically worked together in such a way as to have a total uh, terrifying inequity of vaccine availability. Yeah. Let's see. Rogan recovered using a treatment that included human ivermectin, calling it a horse face is dangerous. People will think that's what he did and copy. 
No, I don't think I will say. I mean, you know, when the, when the vaccines were being rolled out, I do think there is, while we're just doing, doing a roundup of, of vaccine-related issues, when the vaccine was rolled out, there was a lot of people posting on social media about a lot of their side effects, you know, minor stuff for the most part. Um, and that's real. Like, I think people should get the day off, the day off after, they whatever they need to, if that's going to encourage vaccinations. But, you know, there's also a lot of side effects um, that are, you know, that, I think sometimes the side effects could be overemphasized. I mean, just to give you like one number, in the, in the Pfizer vaccine clinical trial, um, there was 47% of people who developed fatigue after getting the vaccine. That's high, right? You're like, wow. Mm-hmm. But it was 43% in the, in the placebo arm. So, um, you know, a, a lot of that is, is sort of just the experience and the stress. Um, uh, let's see, what else? Uh, don't force me. To, if people want the vaccine, I'm okay with that. That's very generous of you. But don't force me to get vaccinated. I mean, what I will say is it's no longer you. It, this is what I'm confused about. It used to be we thought that you were less infectious, right? You transmitted it less when you were vaccinated. Now that's no longer what the evidence is showing. But but still, the more people are vaccinated, the less it spreads. Can you explain that? Yeah, there's been a lot of misleading reporting on that. Um, for so basically, there was a study that I think the CDC did or cited, you know, suggesting that. The, um, one metric of the amount of virus in your nose seemed among people who are infected, who are vaccinated and non-vaccinated, seems similar. But there's actually been pushback against that. But here's the thing: that doesn't matter because the vaccine reduces the likelihood of being infected to begin with. So if you're not infected, you can't spread. So we know that it definitely reduces spread substantially. Whatever the effect, because it prevents people from getting infection altogether, and you can't transmit it if you're not infected. So it does actually have, I'm sorry if this is a bit rabies a question, but it does actually have a public health uh, influence. Like yeah. my not being vaccinated does create more of a risk for others. Oh, unquestionably. Okay. For others, um, and particularly unvaccinated people who might be around you. Um, right. Who would be higher. So yes. So, so there is there is a public health justification, even, a part, even if you sort of took a very strong sort of libertarian kind of um, approach towards, um, uh, you know, People's health decisions. Um, this, in this case, um, there is a you know clear potential threat to other people, and so so there is a, a very firm, good reason why a mandate for a workplace or an airplane, for instance, um, is totally justifiable in terms of the potential threat to people around you. Right, and can the mask? Uh, someone asked about Israel's numbers. By the way, a lot of people bring that up. Um, and is the how effective is a mask versus a vaccine in terms of like uh, planes? I, I don't know. It's a, it's very hard to you know the, the, no one's ever like compared these things in a study. Um, you know, I, I I don't know the answer to that. What I will say is that um, I mean. I don't know. I, I I I would I would view these as additive, not as not as things to sort of push against each other. But no, I, I don't mean. I don't mean. Sorry, I don't mean like a zero sum choice. I mean like right. I'm saying like they, but they both help. Well, yes. I mean, I think that. I mean, they do different things. Um, I mean, look. Part of the reason we mask for masking is not simply protection of oneself, but it's protection of others. Right. So right. that's that's part of the reason for it. Um. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's you know you have several things, none of which are 100 percent perfect, and so you have to double up sometimes. Okay, also, last we don't need to do the mask thing, but right now cases are soaring, so you know wearing masks and you know in, in public places is absolutely uh, fair. Yeah, someone asked about uh, okay, uh, numb 
legs and arms. Not sure about that. What the recourse should be. Um, you could maybe share some of the, maybe you can share some of the symptoms that your patients get from uh, COVID. But uh, that, and then I had one more thing to ask you about, which I can't remember now. Oh, I know. I know. Okay. Really quickly. What, um, Adam, what do you say to the doctors who disagree with you? And also, I just want to ask people who, for whom a very small percentage of this audience is saying that, you know, Adam is a, don't get trigger Jack. Don't respond, please. Put your fingers in yours. Is saying that Adam is a shill. And I want to know for whom he is shilling. Like, who is the big Adam? What's the big thing? Who is he getting paid off by? That's what I want to know. So uh, put your best guesses in the chat. Uh, and uh, yeah. Uh, any fun? I, yeah. Oh, wait, what was the question? So who am I being shilled? Uh, one for oh, uh, numbness in arms and legs that I think someone got. I, I mean, I, I can't speak to... I can't speak to, to, to that story. Um, yeah. I mean, look, your limbs, your oh, choice. I, I can't speak to a secondhand story of other fact. I have no way. I mean, I, look, I, I'm not speaking to that case whatsoever, but we have to right. also remember, and it's like a annoying cliche, but I'm going to say it anyway. You know, correlation is not causation. People get sick and things happen all the time. And sometimes it's after a vaccine and it's usually not related. I can't, how many people believe that influenza vaccines give you influenza? It's like, it's a very substantial portion of the population. It doesn't, it can't, it's not a live vaccine, right? So, so I, you know, clearly there's a lot happening, but the fact is people get flu vaccines in flu season. So in cold season, so if you get the flu vaccine in a week later, you get the cold, you might think it's one cause the other. So right. I can't speak to that, but, but we have to keep that in mind. It's very common. Um, and, and again, incredibly safe, incredibly studied. Um, and life-saving. And that's, yeah. Most, I think. yeah, I mean, look, this pharmaceutical thing is bizarre to me. I mean, again, my writing on pharmaceutical, our proposal uh, at Physical International Health Program to deal with the pharmaceutical industry calls for dramatic reforms, um, you know, massive reductions in prices and actually publicly financing the development and drugs, um, uh, the development and research of drugs so that we can actually take drugs completely um, out of the patent space and 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 make them social goods. Um, you know, like um, Salk said with the polio vaccine, you know, who does the, who does the patent, the people of the patent, to paraphrase it. Um, that's in many ways how drugs should be. They should be social goods for everyone on the planet, not things that generate enormous revenues for powerful companies. But again, to go back to the first point I made, acknowledging that doesn't mean that the things that they're making now are not important to society. Everything that we care about fighting for, everything we care about redistributing are things that matter, right? Um, a thing that make people's lives better. Um, and if they didn't, we wouldn't be having these big, huge political struggles to achieve them. Right. Well said. Thank you so much, Adam. Thank you. Any final words? Anything else you want to make sure people know about? No. Thanks for having me, everyone. And uh, thanks for all the questions. Thank and, you so much. And where can people find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter. Um, A.W. Gaffney. Great. Take Thank care. you so much. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to The Katie Helper Show. If you like the show, please join the Patreon at patreon.com slash The Katie Helper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash The Katie Helper Show. Please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. And as always, we remind you that this show could not happen without the support of our listeners. Our show is produced by me, Katie Helper, Nick Palm. Brad Bloom is our audio engineer and an associate producer on the show. Our researcher is Joshua Bregman. And our theme song is by the band Cordova.